0: Right, good morning everybody. Um, if you're on a serving team, it looks like you're going to be pretty busy next week, um, <laughs> I'm sure God will give you grace. Um, so, um, if God is a father who loves to give his children good gifts, why does he tell his people to scorn worldly possessions? I was thinking about the top purchase I've ever made this week, and I think going back, it was probably in 2007, I was in my fourth year of uni, and um, my mobile phone contract ran, ran out. Luke at the back is nodding. Um, so I was looking through different options, and you might know that the iPhone had come out by then. And so I phoned up, and they said, well, you know, you could get an iPhone, it's only 36 pounds a month. And I was like, oh, that's only double my budget, that's quite good, <laughs> and um, only a 99 pound upfront charge. And I was like, well, my student loans come in, great. So. So I bought it, and, um, and it arrived, and I was so excited. I was really excited. Um, I remember unwrapping it, it comes in that amazing box, and you open it up like this, then it's got the little Apple logo, and you undo it. They really know what they're doing, don't they? Um, now, for your younger people here, at this time, the iPhone didn't even have an app store. This is how old I am. And um, the most exciting thing, I think, was when you sent an email, and then you'd send your email, and you'd sign at the bottom, thanks, Andy, then at the bottom it would say, sent from my iPhone. (laughs) With the invisible tagline, could you say that? (laughs) And advertising works on this premise that what you have at the moment is just not good enough. After a couple of years, I was like, this iPhone sucks, it's so old, it's so slow, I really need to upgrade. And this is what advertising says, it says you'll only be happy when you get more. The Bible shows us though, that there is another way. It's completely foreign to the world. It's called walking by the spirit. So God is a father and he loves to give good gifts to his son, Jesus. And he does this through the Holy Spirit. Jesus sends us to the Holy Spirit to help us in our weaknesses. Jesus was the only person who ever lived in complete obedience to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside us if we're Christians. He tells us how to live. He asks us to do things. And Jesus is the only person who ever followed that exactly. So to walk in the Spirit is to walk like Jesus did. In this letter we're looking at Galatians. Paul is writing to a group of Christians in a part of central Turkey, which then was called Galatia, who began to listen to some wrong teaching. Now, there's lots of aspects to this wrong teaching which we've been looking at over the last few months. But one of the core parts of this was you need to look at yourself more. You're not good enough. You've not done enough already. You need to do extra things. And this started to infiltrate into the Galatians' thinking. And whenever we're looking at ourselves, it's quite natural that you start to become a bit selfish. Oh, no, I know. It's all actually about me. It's about how am I doing? How am I doing? And so it says that they began to become quite quarrelsome. They weren't very generous, and they started to become envious of other people. Essentially, they just didn't look out for each other. Jesus has designs for his church that is radically different. He wants his church to be full of men and women who have received from him, and then they go out changed. They've received so much love from Jesus that they go out, and they can't help this love spilling out in their relationships. They're so full of the Holy Spirit that they go out and they can hear God saying, I want you to speak to that person, or this is what I'm wanting to say. And it just spills out of them. And this is enabled by Jesus giving us his Holy Spirit. We're going to read the passage in a second, but in verse one, Paul says, you who are spiritual, I absolutely love the word he uses there. In Greek, it's pneumatikoi. Pneuma is spirit, koi is people. So he's kind of putting them together. It's like you're people of the Spirit. Paul reminds them that they have already received the Spirit, We have read in chapter 3 that they'd seen amazing miracles taking place. They'd received gifts of the Spirit. And Paul wants to remind them that they can keep receiving this gift to live in joy and power and then go out to serve in his church and out into the world. So in the section before we're about to read, Paul had talked about how allowing the Holy Spirit to work resulted in great fruit in a Christian. You've probably heard it before if you've been in church for a while, but it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So then Paul wants to put bones on this. He wants to show us what it looks like practically. So let's read it together. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfil the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbour. For each will have to bear his own load. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, Let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, thank you so much that you're here with us just now. We ask that you would help us to hear from you. Speak to us through your word, Lord, we pray. Amen. So, as I said before, Paul is using this image of walking in the Spirit. He says that as Christians, we have the Spirit in us. The Spirit is telling us What to do day to day both through speaking to us in our mind and also speaking to us through his word we can hear him speaking if we listen to him and this results in a change i think it's absolutely fascinating that the first change that paul talks about is that we are outward looking we don't really focus on ourselves that much anymore the first place paul goes is to what we call pastoral care so that's caring for one another helping people with their everyday struggles in life it's easy for us to think that that's a role for you know a team like a pastoral team or for the elders or for small group leaders but actually paul is saying that's a role for all christians he says that those who are followers of christ should should be looking out for one another that we should be loving one another That we should be helping one another day to day and he starts with looking at christians who are caught in a cycle of doing wrong I love Paul's language here in the start. If anyone is caught in any transgression, he's very, very gentle about the person sinning. He's not saying, oh, if anyone is committing a heinous sin, you should condemn them. No, he doesn't say that. He says, if anyone is actively choosing to resist the Holy Spirit, no, he doesn't say that. He says, if you're caught in a transgression, the Holy Spirit works in us. And sometimes he will convict us of something that we've done wrong. And if at that moment we go to people and ask for help, God is absolutely delighted. That is the Holy Spirit working in you and you're being obedient. That is such a wonderful thing. And God is delighted with you when you go and do that. And so this is this gentle language here. You've been caught. It's, It's a transgression. And then others are to help to restore. You who are spiritual should restore him. This word restore is used elsewhere of people mending their nets. It's like getting something which has been damaged and putting it back to how it was. We're not a community where people should be ashamed to be honest with each other. We all have phrase, we all have tears in our nets that we need to get put back together sometimes. And this is where the community helps. And helping people can be quite complex and requires wisdom sometimes. So there may be times when, you know, someone comes to you and says, I'm really struggling with this. And actually, you do need to get some wisdom from older, more mature Christians. And that's what we have have leaders in the church for. But there are a few essentials. The First thing to realize is that you're helping people to do what they actually want to do. As Christians, our core desire has been changed. We no longer live primarily to please ourselves, but actually to please Jesus. We love him, we want to obey him, we want to serve him. And so when you're helping someone who comes to you and says, I really need help with this thing, you're actually just helping them to live the way that they want to be. You're helping them to be authentic to who they really are. So talking about it regularly is a really important part of that. How are you doing? How's that thing going? Do you wanna talk about it? Make, make, just, you know, go out for coffee, go out for a beer. Just make appointments to have a, have a chat about it. Praying with people is really effective as well. Um, it's amazing how if you're you know, really struggling with a certain temptation and then someone prays for you, often that can just be lifted. And also in your own times, you can pray for that person again. And then there's also an element of helping the Christian to repent. Now, this is a, an old word, but essentially it means turning away from the sin and turning towards something positive. There's a verse I absolutely love in Ephesians where it says, Let the thief no longer steal. So there's someone that's been stealing and taking for, the, for, for themselves. But he says, but let him work hard with his own hands. So rather than stealing, he's working hard. So he's got something. And it says, so that he may be generous as well. It's a total life change. And we're helping people to do that. But Paul does have a bit of a warning for the people that are helping others. He says that they have to fight sin in themselves. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. It may be that the same sin that someone is struggling with when they come to you is actually something that you find difficult as well, in which case talking about it might make you quite tempted. And so you just need to be wise. And if that's the case, maybe you say to them, you know, to be honest, this is something I find quite difficult as well. Maybe you'd be better speaking to someone else or maybe we could both speak to somebody else. But actually, a bigger problem is pride. It's so easy for us to think, well, that person's just a bit weak and um, glad I'm not like that. Or we can also be a bit harsh sometimes as well and not recognise that this person is someone who's deeply loved by God, who's being obedient to God and is coming for you for help and God expects you to help that person. We're needing to be open with other people. It says though that we should bear one another's burdens. This means helping each other with difficulties that we all have. Listening, supporting, helping where we can. But we can't do this if we're not open with each other. Really what we need here is friends. Students and young people, you are at a wonderful opportunity in your life to make really good, lasting friendships. It gets really difficult as you get older actually to stay in touch with people, to meet up with people as regularly as you did when you were, when you were at uni. And so I think you should really try and see these years when you, which you have as an opportunity to make good lasting friendships. One of the mistakes I made at uni was I focused on people who were just good fun. And I, I would say, you know, okay, it's, it's good to have a laugh, but actually focusing on good character is really important as well. Don't bare your soul immediately. It's not like, oh, nice to meet you. Do you know I'm a glutton? No, you don't do that. Um, but you build up trust slowly, slowly, slowly. Trust is won very slowly, but it's lost very quickly. If you shared something with somebody and then they break your confidence, that's a good sign that's not someone you should be sharing much with in the future unless they can win your trust back. Let the friendship grow. Keep working at it. As I said, it does get harder to keep close friends. So friends you've made in the past are so important as you get older. Single people. um, Be aware that... You should never feel like you don't have much to offer in church. Often, single people have more time and emotional energy to invest in friendships than married people. And that is such a wonderful gift to give to people. It's so good to pursue healthy friendships. You can look out for people. Often married people struggle to make friends. Look out for people that need a helping hand to talk to. Be open with each other and see what God does. Married people, there's a unique setting in marriage to bear your spouse's burden. However, it's worth noting that a marriage is not primarily about having your own personal needs met. Tim Keller and his book, uh, The Meaning of Marriage, has got a really good quote, so I'm just going to read that out. There have always been covenantal relationships. These are relationships that are binding on us. In a covenant, the good of the relationship takes precedence over the immediate needs of the individual. For example, a parent may get little emotionally out of caring for an infant, but there has always been an enormous social stigma attached to any parent who gives up their children because rearing them is too hard and unrewarding. For most people, the very idea is unthinkable. Why? Society still considers the parent-child relationship to be a covenantal one, not a consumer relationship. Sociologists argue that in contemporary Western society, the marketplace has become so dominant that the consumer model increasingly characterizes most relationships that historically were covenantal, including marriage. Today we stay connected to people only as long as they are meeting our particular needs at an acceptable cost to us. When we cease to make a profit, that is when the relationship appears to require more love and affirmation from us than we are getting back, then we cut our losses and drop the relationship. In marriage, we're not primarily trying to get our needs met, but actually we're serving God and we're serving our spouse. Husbands in particular, this applies to us. It says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Just think about that for a moment. That is insane. (laughs) Christ died for the church. Christ cleansed the church. Christ prays continually for the church. As husbands, there's a high standard that we have to live up to in loving and serving our wives. But God will help us with this. I think it's important that we make time to to chat to each other, seeing how we're doing, asking things, remembering things your spouse has said to you in the past, and then following up on that as well. And don't forget to pray with and for each other too. Parents, I think this passage really speaks to you as well. I don't have children, so um, I'm not speaking from experience, but I've heard it can be a bit difficult sometimes. Um, And I think this passage is really useful because... Bearing your children's burdens emulates Jesus. Loving your children is part of fulfilling the law of Christ. Whenever you are, whatever stage you're at, if you're at the baby stage, you're getting woken up and having to change nappies and feed, and you're just exhausted. Actually, whenever you're doing this, you are being as Jesus to that that child. You're loving them. If they're at an age where it's, you know, ferrying them around and listening to them speak about, I don't know, toys and stuff. um, (laughs) then whenever you're engaging with them, then you are being Jesus to them at that moment. And if it's an an older stage as well, if you're struggling to communicate, if you're helping them to navigate through life, then working at it, praying for them, is being as Jesus to them. It's a really high calling, and it's a wonderful thing to do. Don't forget to make time for your own friendships, though, as well, although I know it's hard. Jesus, however, is the ultimate burden bearer. Jesus decided to help you, even though it meant a great deal of pain for him, for Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Jesus decided to take the weight of our sin. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. It's so great that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He even took the curse that should have been ours. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on the tree. So as we live in this way, as we serve other people, we are fulfilling what Christ asked us to do. There's a thing here though about not being arrogant. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbour. It's easy for us to think that we're glad we're not like other people. But the standard is not, are we doing better than others? But like, how are we compared to Jesus? And we wouldn't often say something to people's faces directly. We wouldn't be like, well, you're not doing very good. But actually, gossip is doing that just behind someone's back. I was in Tesco's on Thursday, I think. And um, I was standing there and I heard these two ladies talking. um, And one of them was like, I don't know what you think about tina but i think she's really awful you know i'm sure she talks about people behind their backs (laughs) (laughs) the irony was lost on them i think (laughs) but rather we help people to be strengthened it says each will have to bear his own load we do help other people but our aim is not that people would end up being dependent but rather they would be strengthened and mature We want to share our burdens, bearing each other's burdens, but there are seasons when we start to take more weight of other people. The goal of the Spirit is that we be able to grow, to cope with ourselves and also to help others with their struggles as well. It says as well that one who's taught the Word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Now, I'm not an elder, I don't get paid by the church, but this is an important part here of saying that it's good and biblical that we do ensure that our elders and other staff in church are financially catered for. And it says all good things as well. And again, in this, we're being like Jesus. Jesus had an older cousin, John the Baptist, who um, was a great teacher and many were coming out to him. When people asked Jesus about him, he said, truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. So we should give respect to our leaders. We should talk them up. We should be positive about them. It's not an easy job. So we should be loving them and serving them as best we can. It's all outward looking. It's all about serving other people. So the question arises, why should we bother? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. So we have two choices, either we follow the spirit or we follow the flesh. Now, Paul talked about the flesh in the previous section, but he said the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and things like these. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's a huge list there, but essentially they're all selfish. It's all looking in. It's about what can I get? What do I want? What are my needs? I want to get my needs fulfilled. The Spirit, however, is different. He says, I fill you. I give you enough so that you may go out and give it. So Paul is saying here that whenever we are choosing an action, we're either throwing seed into one area the flesh field we'll call it or you've got your seed and you're throwing it into the spirit field now whenever we sow plants come up and eventually fruit comes but there's two types of fruit that come from it so the fruit that comes up from the flesh field is translated as things like destruction corruption rottenness it's just not good it's really really bad whereas those who reap from the spirit field get eternal life now we're all born with a disposition to only sow into this flesh field before before we were in Christ this is what we were doing we were looking out for ourselves we were we would times do something to help other people but really we were just sowing into this field of flesh Jesus on the other hand was eternally sowing into this spirit field he was doing good there was great fruit coming and this is the great swap of the gospel. The fruit that we deserve, the rotten, deathly fruit, he comes over and takes it for us and moves us into his field so we can, we can get all his rewards that were for us. This is only for people that are in Christ. So if you're not a Christian today, this is the offer that's there. You can have yourself removed from the, from the eternal consequences of sin and put into eternal life with Jesus. However, there is an an application here for people that have already trusted Christ, though. We we are here, we're in the spirit field, and we're making fruit that brings eternal life. Paul is like, why on earth would you go back to this side of the field and start creating fruit that's going to cause you harm? So we're free to sow on the life side, living like Jesus did, and working towards what he did. Paul says it would be complete insanity to go back and start sowing more seed on the field, which only results in misery. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The Galatians had been deceived, and they started to think only about themselves They've been tempted into a religiosity which had little concern for others. Paul appeals here for them to do good. And so the good that he's talking about is largely what we've already talked about here, helping those who are trapped in sin, bearing each other's burdens, taking time to ask people how they are and show genuine interest in each other's lives, sharing materially with others and listening to the Spirit and following his leading. The Father is not primarily interested and lavishing material gifts on his children. Yes, we can trust him for our needs, for our daily bread, for our clothing, but we don't trust him to receive everything that we've been marketed. Rather, the Father is something far better for us, that we can be loved, that we can be cared for, that then we can go out and do this for other people, and then to be like our wonderful Lord. Jesus said, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions rather man shall live does not live by bread alone but from every word that comes from the from the mouth of god we receive from the spirit and that is life jesus is the one who did and does all these things perfectly he is the one who comes to people who are trapped in sin he sets them free of their misery and shows them a new and fulfilling life jesus is the one who bears our burdens when we come to him and tell him about our problems they become his problems too Jesus shares liberally with us and not low worth things like money or possessions but joy, peace, relationship, things worth more than anything else. Jesus is the one who sends his spirit to lead us into truth and show us how to live. I also, with the prophecy that Hannah brought earlier, I also was feeling this sense of of people being weary, um, of people who've been faithful to God for many years and have been helping other people with their burdens and carrying it, but actually it's just getting really tiring. Paul says, don't give up. Jesus is here with us, showing us how to love and giving us his love to do it with. So I'm going to ask the band to come up, if that's all right, wherever they are. Um, and I think there's a few different ways we can respond to this so maybe you have become a bit weary of helping other people and maybe you feel that you need some prayer to keep going for the life that Jesus asks of you if you feel you're someone who's constantly giving feeling the weight of others demands then we need to pray that you will receive more of the life-giving spirit to strengthen encourage and enable you to keep giving Maybe you've realized that recently you've been so caught up with your own life and thinking of your needs that you've been showing little concerns for others' needs. In that case, there's an opportunity today to turn away from that and actually to say, God, I'm sorry for that and I really want to care more about other people. Maybe you've realized that you make friendships or maintain friendships and relationships for what you can get out of them. Let's pray for a radical shift of perspective and fresh insights into others' needs. Maybe you've lived in a way which is going to result in terrible fruit for you today. If you've not trusted in Jesus, the offer is here for you today. Jesus can take the eternal consequences for you, eat the fruit you cannot, and give you fruit of eternal life. So I'm going to ask the band to start playing, if that's all right. And um, I'm going to ask the ministry team to come up as well. And if you feel like God has been speaking to you and you'd like prayer, I'd like you to come forward. If you feel like you need energy from God to keep on serving and keep on loving, then I'd like you to come forward. If you'd like to um, commit to serving other people more, then I'd like you to come forward. And if you'd like to trust in Jesus today for the first time, I'd like you to come forward as well. The rest of us, we will all respond in our own ways, but one of the great ways we do that is in worship to Jesus, who is great and powerful and strong. And so let's do that now.